in uh, John chapter number three. We're going to be in starting in verse number twenty-two. John chapter number three. Read through the entire chapter. And today, right there in the middle of this chapter, this portion of scripture is my life verse. And uh, it's a verse uh, I heard a preacher say one time: "Go get a life verse." And so I went and got one. <laughs> and I was reading through the. I don't know if I was reading through the book of John at the time, but this verse has always stuck out at me. And really, it's my heart's cry. It's my desire. It's what I want my life to mean when it's all said and done. And uh, it's my life for any time I sign a Bible, which is a rare occasion. Uh, it's what I sign underneath it because that's what I want people to know about me. It's John chapter 3, verse number 30. But look at verse number 22. The Bible said, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. John was also, John also was baptizing, and I know because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. Now, if he was sprinkling, he wouldn't need much water. If he was dipping and pouring, he wouldn't need much water. But if you're dunking, <laughs> let me give you the, the politically correct word, the, the, the theological word, if you're immersing, you need, you need water. Hey, in just a few minutes this morning, we're going, I'm gonna baptize my daughter. And I'm excited about it. I ain't gonna sprinkle her I ain't gonna dump a little bit of water on her head. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dunk her, amen? Why? I'm a Baptist. <laughs> More than that, I'm a Bible believer. If Jesus baptized folk like that, that's how we ought to baptize. And John baptized, if Jesus got baptized like that, that's how we ought to baptize this morning. Well, preacher, I disagree with you. Why'd you come to a Baptist church? <laughs> it's in our name, amen? It's what we believe, it's our, it's our distinctive, it's what makes us different. And I'm okay with being different, amen. I've just, I've just grown a cut, I'm weird. And I'm all right with it. Brother Mike Landrum said yesterday, I don't care. <laughs> and I said, you're 75 years old, it really don't matter what somebody's got to say. <laughs> they ain't gonna change your mind. Where was he at? Verse number 23, and John was baptized in a known near Selene because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Makes sense. Verse number 25, for there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Now, as we read through the rest of the text, I challenge you to find the question. And when they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. Speaking of the Lord there. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, this, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. How many of us could testify of that this morning? 
And not because the preacher told you, not because the Sunday school teacher taught on it, because you've had an experience with God. God saved your soul and you found out he is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. What's John saying there? God didn't have to send the Holy Spirit to Jesus because they're three in one. He didn't need a measure of the Holy Spirit. He's, he is the Holy Spirit. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. In essence, it's already there. You're not working. You don't have to work your way into hell. That's where you're already headed. Why, preacher? Because of your sin nature. Because we transgressed a holy God's law. We've done him wrong. We've sinned. We've fallen short. The wrath of God is not something that you are waiting for. It is something if you're outside the grace of God this morning is already on your life. Preacher, that's not, that's not pleasant. That's not positive, but it's truth. And I'd much rather tell you the truth and lie to you and make you feel good this morning. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of God this morning. Lord, I'm thankful this morning, Lord, that I'm standing in a holy place. And God, we've worshiped your name. We've praised you. Lord, we've been reminded that you're the dearest friend. Lord, I want to say thank you, Lord, for speaking to the hearts of your people. Lord, not just within the presence of the congregation, within the walls of the church, but, Lord, in their everyday life. God, you're taking these earthly things, these uh, different experiences, God, and you're allowing us to see your truth of the word of God in those things. Lord, I'm so grateful this morning to know the word of God. I'm so grateful, Lord, that I can look at something that is just a, another activity of life and see some spiritual truth behind it. Lord, as we sat at the table this week as a family, and God going through a project together, it wasn't great, it wasn't mighty, but Lord, we're reminded, Lord, that there was a message in what we were doing. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, this morning that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God? Would you make preaching, God, what you designed it and desire it to be this morning? Lord, let me just be an instrument in the hands of the Master. Lord, we leave out of here this morning, God, I pray, Lord, I would not be seen I would not be glorified. I would not be lifted up. But Lord, that we'd see you this morning. We'd hear from your word. We'd hear your voice. And God would leave out of here with exactly what you have for us. Lord, I want to th say thank you, Lord, for that the gospel still works. I'm thankful, Lord, the gospel worked at my house a couple of Wednesday nights ago Lord, when you saved my daughter. I'm thankful, Lord, that I not only get to see folks saved, but Lord, I see you working in my family. Well, I'm reminded of the Philipp Philippian jailer. Lord, what he got in the prison house, he took home with him. And Lord, it changed his family's life. Lord, I'm thankful this morning, God, what you've given me hasn't just changed my life, but now, Lord, it's making an impact on my family. Oh, Father, help us this morning, God, to understand the weight and the truth of the gospel. Lord, it's the greatest story we could ever tell. Lord, help us to tell it. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Verse number 25 this morning, some of John's disciples and some of the Jews, the religious crowd of the day, have come to John the Baptist and they are coming to ask him a question about purifying. And that word means to clean, it means to, uh, to clear up, it means to get right in that sense. And 
All I can think is that these Jews probably came to John's disciples with the question and John's disciples really didn't know how to answer it. And so now they have gone to their teacher, they've gone to John the Baptist with this question and all I know is a question about purifying, but I'm not sure what the question was. Because nowhere in here do they ask about the motive or the method or the ideology or the reason or the end result of purifying. But verse number 26, here is a suggestion. I guess you could call it a question. I don't see the question mark. But it's not necessarily about purifying, but it's really, it's about the heart of John. These Jews ask him, John, are you aware of what is taking place right around you? Well, 22 and 23 tell us exactly what is taking place. In John chapter three, verse 22, Jesus and his disciples have come into Judea. They've set up shop, so to speak, and Jesus is baptizing there near Judea. And then chapter, verse 23, John is by place called a known, which is actually means a spring, and Selim, which means peace. And he's doing the same thing he's done back in the Jordan River. He is baptizing like he was the day that Jesus showed up. And now these Jews have come in and they've looked at John the Baptist and said, John, do you not realize that your crowd is getting smaller? John, do you not realize that those that you baptize in the Jordan River have left you behind to follow that man named Jesus? John, don't you realize the crowd that was once flocking around you as you preached repentance, as you preached trusting God, as you uh, uh, carried out the act of baptism? John, don't you realize your crowd is getting smaller and smaller and smaller the longer that man Jesus stays around? See, here's the thing about religion. All it cares about is the crowd. All it cares about is how many people are showing up, how many people are here, and how much money do they have, and what can they do for us. These Jews said, John, you're going to have to change something if you're going to get the crowd back. John, don't you realize the crowd is leaving you faster than you're bringing them in? Can I say this one? I have no desire in my heart to build a great crowd. I have no desire in my heart in myself to build a great church. I have no desire in myself to build a great ministry. My desire is solely to please the Lord. In the moment our church becomes just merely satisfied with how many people are in the pews or how many people are not in the pews, we will sell out the gospel, we'll sell out old-time religion, we'll sell out old-time worship, we'll sell out biblical truth, all of that. To keep. Can I say this morning, if we get down to five, I'm gonna keep plowing and I'm gonna keep saying, thus saith the Lord, because the crowd isn't up to me. What is up to me is whether or not I'm going to obey the word of God when I stand behind the pulpit. Now, we're not going to be rude and arrogant and mean to people, but I'm not going to change what I believe to get a crowd because when that crowd leaves, I'll have to change again to get another crowd in. But they come to John, the Jews, and <laughs> I can see John's disciples like, man, we have no idea. How did you say that? Yeah, they are leaving. We're not sure why. We're going to have to go ask John. 
I come to John, don't you realize, John, that everybody's leaving faster than you can get them in? Verses 27 through 29, we see John's reply. John, what are you going to change? Pretty much John said nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to change anything. Can I say this morning, a man, a man who eats locust and honey and wears camel skin and enjoys it, you ain't going to change his mind. You ain't, I don't think you're going to talk him into anything. He is dead set in his ways. But verses 27 through 29, he answers this question given to him by the Jews. First of all, he says, I'm absolutely nothing without him. Look at verse number 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. What John was saying, he said, listen, fellas, you all may not understand this, but what I do, the camel skin, the, the locust, the honey, the baptizing, the message, he said, none of it was my idea. None of it was my, I didn't sit down somewhere and said, you know what? It would be a wonderful thing to start baptizing people in the Jordan River. Here's how I'm going to do it. He said, no, God put a call in my life. We understand that John was an Old Testament prophet, even though he's in the New Testament. He was well, the last Old Testament prophet in your Bible. And God had put a special calling on John's life. And, and what did John do to receive? Well, I guess he was born. That's about the only thing John did. And he accepted it. He said, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, Lord, Lord, I understand I am absolutely nothing except you've, well, for what you've given to me. A Christian would say it this way, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm not here because I'm smart. I'm not here because I'm intelligent. I'm not here because I play political games. I'm here because of the grace of God this morning. I, don't earn, I haven't earned one thing in my Christian life. Boy, I sure I've been given some blessings, though, haven't I? And haven't you this morning? By the grace of God. John's message and calling made no sense without Christ. John said, if I don't have him, if I didn't have God, I would have nothing to say. So I'm nothing without him. Verse 28, John clear, I ain't him. Excuse me, I'm not him. He said, you yourselves bear with me witness that I said I am not the Christ. He said, I know who he is. I've known who he is. Isn't it amazing that when they came walking down to the Jordan River initially, I think it's John chapter number two, and John, John is there baptizing at the Jordan River, nobody had to say, hey, John, look, it's Jesus. Nobody had to get his attention. Nobody had to remind him. John looked out, and from the stories he had told and from the time he had been around them, and from the, the we understand their, their cousins, his, 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 John's mom was Elizabeth, was related to Mary, and we know that John leapt in the womb when he got in the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary, and there's a lot of supernatural things going on there, but John knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. He said, listen, I'm not changing because I ain't him. He said, it's all right if they follow him. That's who they're supposed to be following. He said, that was the one that I bear witness of. That was the one I said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John said, it's okay if they go after him. That's where they're supposed to be going. He said, I don't have anything except what God's given me. He said, I'm not the Lord. I'm not him. And then verse number 29 is real interesting. He said, I'm not one of them. The Bible said, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly 
because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. One of the things you have to realize this morning is getting into to theological matters here this morning is that John was not part of the church. John was the forerunner of Christ. He was an Old Testament prophet. Now, I firmly believe this morning that salvation's always been by grace through faith. I think it carries that, that understanding out throughout the entire Bible. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We see it over and over and over again. But we have to understand that John was an Old Testament prophet. John would die before Jesus did. And so if John died before Jesus did, he went to Abraham's bosom. He was part of that crowd that when Christ died and he set the captive free, he was part of that crowd down there with Moses and Abraham and David and all those prior to Calvary that had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand, in essence, John says, listen, I'm not part of the bride. I'm not part of the church, but I'm a friend of the bridegroom. <laughs> in essence, and here's what he said. I, I hear him talking and I hear him speaking, and he's not speaking necessarily directly to me. He's talking to, because here's the thing, a lot of the, my goodness, a lot of those that would leave from John and would begin to follow Jesus would be instrumental in the beginning of the church and the church age, and, and John said, I'm not part of that. I'll be gone before Acts 2 ever takes place, but can I say, I, I've heard him talk to the bride. I've heard him talk to the church, and what he's saying, short, I'm just excited that I know his voice. John said, I'm not one of them. John said, they're going exactly to where they're supposed to be going. He said, I'm not Christ. I'm not one of them. I don't have anything outside of God. And then we get to John chapter 30. First, excuse me, chapter three, verse number 30. John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. My life verse, I quoted it one time. A pastor asked me, what was your life verse? I said, John 3.30. He said, what? he said, what's that say? He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He said, you said it wrong. I said, no, I didn't. He said, no, you said it wrong. How can God increase unless you decrease first? I struggled with that for a while, and I got to realize God has always been. God has always been. In essence, God always wants as much of your life as you're willing to give him. John said he must increase, but I must decrease. Here's, John understood his place. John understood his purpose. John understood this thing is not about me growing a brand. This is not about me growing a following. This is not about me growing a, a political power in the days of Israel. He said, really, it's about me becoming less of myself and giving more space to him, more room to him. He summed it up in that little phrase, and boy, it's become my life. For, Lord, when people look at me, I don't want them to see me. Or when people, people congratulate me, Lord, it's not me, it's you. Lord, I want you to increase in my life, or that I might decrease. There's that old, I used to come on 102.7, I think the guy's name was Corky. Owns a jewelry store somewhere. And he said, if you don't know me, that's not that big of a deal. He said, but if you don't know Jesus, that's the eternal problem that you have. And this morning I want to preach on this. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
Every Christian should allow God to increase in their life because of the following reasons. Verses down through 31, down through 36, John gives us some reasons why we should allow God to increase in our life and why we should make sure we decrease in our life. We make more of him than we make of ourselves. Why, preacher? Because of his position, number one. Look at verse number 31. He that cometh from above is above all. And he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. In one simple statement, John elevates Jesus above every person who's ever lived. One short phrase, he, he takes Jesus, and not, not that he, Jesus needed help with it, but he takes Jesus and he elevates him above every man and woman who's ever lived. He simply answered the question, where did he come from? And in answering that question, John takes Jesus and shows those Jews and even his own disciples that, listen, he is far greater than I could ever be. It's interesting because Jesus says about John that there is no man born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus says, those that are around me today will do greater things than John ever did. But John said, he, he has earned a, a, a bigger spot in my life because of his position, because of where he came from. See, we all came from the earth. I'm not talking about evolution. You didn't come from amoeba that turned into a frog, that turned into a monkey, that eventually turned into you. Even though there's some that act like it, that's not the case. But we all did come from the earth. Genesis 2, 7, for God took the dust of the earth and breathed breath into life, or breathed life into man with his own breath. And we understand that tonight, that in the Garden of Eden, God created man and he created woman and he didn't create anything in between. Preacher, why do you always say that? Because the generation we live in, we need to be reminded over and over. Listen, they're going to try their best to tell your kids over and over and over again that they can be anything they want to be between a man and a woman and a fox and a dog and a cat and all those other kind of things. Can I say God made man and God made woman? Genesis 2, 7, God took the dust of the earth and formed man and breathed life into him. Ecclesiastes, I can't ever say that book. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 7. Bible said, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. Not one physical quality this morning really elevates me and you above each other. <laughs> Let me ask, when's the last time you compared dust to dust? I tell you what, come back tonight, go find some dust in your house, sweep it into a bag, and I'll go find some dust at my house, and I'll sweep it into the bag, and we will have a competition tonight. Well, y'all know we love to compete around here. We were competing in a random draw yesterday. I'm like, y'all better win something. Y'all ain't, ain't coming back on the bus. <laughs> but Jacob was that close, that close to winning a brand new shotgun. Billy won him a crossbow. He's on the security team now. <laughs> we came from the earth and to the earth. Well, and we come in here, we're not going to compare dust, and, but that's what we like to do. That's what, that's what Satan tries to get us to do. That's what politi politicians try to get us to do. Let me compare my dust with your. My dust is better than your dust. You sound crazy. Sound foolish. But in essence, if we come from a direct line of Adam in which we did this morning, not only were we created from dust in that aspect, but the same curse that was placed on to Adam was placed in our life. That's why we are saying we are sinners by birth. 
We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. The curse that was put on Adam passed upon all men this morning and that's why this morning that you and I cannot be God. You and I cannot be a savior. You and I can't help anybody in our own power and own strength because really we're all in the same boat this morning. That's why the Bible says for all have sinned. We all like sheep have gone astray. So death passed upon all men. But John didn't say Jesus came from earth. He said he came from above. He came from heaven down in to earth. How, preacher, through a virgin birth? Preacher, you really believe that? As much as I believe my name is Tate and Ray Wagner, I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Preacher, that's impossible. It's never happened before, and it's never happened since. Preacher, that is absolutely, can I say this morning, it is absolutely impossible for somebody like me to be on their way to heaven this morning, but can I tell you, I am. Why, God did an impossible work in my heart and my life when he saved me by the grace of God. He said he came from heaven. A virgin birth was a vehicle that was used to bring Christ in this world. He was not a man who became God, but was God who became man for us. John knew people. People didn't see more of him because he was just like them. I mean, John, I, John, I wish John was still alive. I, I'd like to show him some videos of the televangelist. I'd like to show him some videos of this health and wealth, prosperity, preaching heretics this morning. And just put a microphone up to him and say, all right, John, give me your opinion. <laughs> John wasn't scared. Oh, John would have been silenced and John would have cowered to political powers and government uh, entities. I don't think so because he looked the king in his eyes, the governor of the land in his eyes and said, you're an adulterer. You're wrong. Well, can I say we need some more of that this morning? We need more preachers behind the pulpit to call sin, sin. We need some more daddies in the house to call sin, sin. We need some more mamas in the house to call sin, sin. We need some more young people to look at mom and dad and say, that ain't right. That ain't right. That is, that's not what the Bible says. John would have done it. I really believe that John, if John was still alive, he probably wouldn't have too many meetings. He'd be under that, that's a crazy preacher right there. John, but John knew people didn't need to see more of him. He was just like them. They need to see more of Christ because he is the God-man. He's the very son of God. Preacher, why should we allow God to increase? Why should people see more of Christ in me than they see me in me? Because of his position. He's God alone. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Let me ask you, have you caused people to stop seeking Jesus because you've got out of the position? or you've tried to take his position. And it's become more about you than it's become more about him. We see number one, why should he increase and why should I decrease? Because of his position. Number two, because of his power. Look at verse number 35. The father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand. How did John know that God the father loved God the son? How did John know? Well, he heard it. He heard the father say, so this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. I'm preaching, how? I mean, that's what the word beloved means. I love him. This is my son whom I love beyond anything else. There's something different between somebody else's kids and your own kids. 
I can't think of a young kid in our church that does not love Miss Caitlin. Matter of fact, T.R. was filling out his school paper this week on who's your best friend, and he still wrote down your name. <laughs> so you better watch out for Brother Jacob. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's, there's a little baby in the womb right now that when he makes his arrival, it's not that you don't love them kids no more, but he's going to be something special. He's your own. And it's not that I don't love the kids at our church, and, but they're not my own. It'd be weird, Luke, if you hopped on my couch and wanted to snuggle me. I would not go for it. <laughs> but let one of my youngins jump up on the couch with me. And as long as they've showered and don't stink, they're more than welcome. <laughs> you can go snuggle Brother Jed afterwards. <sighs> and it's not, here's the thing, a lot of times we like to think that God saved us simply because we deserve his love. And the truth of the matter is the only reason why we know his love is because he sent the thing or the person that he loved the most to die for us. And really this morning, God's love towards you is not based really upon you, but it's based upon his love for his son. That's why we sing when he looks at you, he sees the blood. When he looks at you, he sees his son. Because if he, in essence this morning, we, we, we're, we're condemned already. God, God don't put blinders on and pretend things aren't like they are. God understands where we came from. God knows who we are. God knows what we've done. And it would be impossible because of God's holiness, right, to love us merely without the filter of a son being there. That's how wicked our sin is. Preacher, I never killed nobody. I never stole anything. Your sin is still sin. But when Jesus died, whom his who was his beloved son, whom he loved more than anything else. Now his love is shed abroad in our heart through, the son of Je- through his son, Jesus Christ, this morning. Here John said we ought to give him more space. We ought to let him increase in our life because of his power. Notice not only that he loved him in verse number 35, but the Bible says he hath given all things into his hands. I could see John, he's telling these fellows, these Jews this, and he looks down at his hands and he's got dried honey, locust legs all over him. But he looks down at his hands and he says, my hands don't hold anything near what his hands hold. Little Miss Shiloh get to sing, and that girl loves to sing. And it blesses my heart even when she does. I was whistling, Jesus passed by, and she went into the whole first verse all by herself. But we'll ask her, Shiloh, what do you want to sing? And she'll sing, Daddy, sing the little bitty babies. And that's a, he's got the whole world in his hands. That's her favorite verse, the little bitty babies in his hands. John looked down at his hands and said, my hands really don't hold anything compared to his. God's hand is so great that everything that's in it won't ever come out of it. Somewhere in your Bible it talks about in the hollow of his hand, the span of his hand, and talks about how you and I are in his hand and he's never going to let us go. John said, my hands can't do much, but boy, he's got everything in his hands. 
He's got it all. The Father's given it all to him. He's given him all power. He was able to do all things well. He has resurrection power. He has all wisdom. He knows the beginning from the end. He, he knows what you need more than you know what you need it for. He has all wisdom. He has all glory. He is worthy. There is not even a close second. That's why Paul said, let, let, let's glory, let him be the glory of the church. He has it all this morning. Let me ask you this morning, how much stuff are you holding on to this morning that you can't control with your own hands? How much of life is that bucking bowl? You can't fix nothing, but you're still trying to fix it yourself. In essence, here, here's what you want, to, you want someone to say. You're not going to say it out loud, but here's what you want to hear. Man, you did a good job at handling that. Man, you are strong, you are mighty, you are, you are a great Christian. Look what you're able to do when it ought to be. Look what God has done for me. John said people need to see less of me and more of him because he can do far greater than I ever could. He must increase, but we must decrease. Let me ask you, whose power do people see more in your life? Do they see yours or do they see his? something in me, or I want to fix it. I want to fix it. I, I want to help. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said there's some things and some people and some problems and some issues that only come by prayer and fasting. What is that, preacher? That's me getting myself out of the way. That's me acknowledging that my ability is not good enough and I'm wholly depending upon God. Lord, you know what my need is far greater than I would ever even know this morning. God, you can do far more. And Lord, I'm getting out the way. Lord, I'm, 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 Lord, I'm allowing you to increase. And Lord, I'm willingly decreasing in my life. Lord, I, I could put a patch on it. Lord, I, I could put a band-aid on it, but Lord, it needs to be fixed. And Lord, I can't do that, but you can. John said we, he needs to increase and I must decrease because of his power. Then notice number three this morning. He must increase and I must decrease because of his promise. Because of his promise. <laughs> Preacher, how do you know the gospel's always been by faith and grace? Well, look at verse number 36. Remember, John's an Old Testament prophet here. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on Preacher, how do you know John allowed God to increase and allowed himself to decrease? He realized who was standing in front of him. He had his disciples and he had some Jews standing in front of him. He said, you all know what these fellows need to hear more than just my opinion and more than just my, my know-how and my thoughts on it. Verse number 36, he gave them the gospel. He said, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. John was the last recorded prophet in the Old Testament. And those Old Testament prophets got to see some things and got to do some things. Elijah saw fire come down from heaven. Elisha saw the Jordan River split in half. Isaiah got to see God on the throne high and lifted up. 
Jeremiah seen the judgment coming for Israel. Samuel got to anoint King David as the next king of Israel. <laughs> but John got to preach and say and proclaim something that none of those other men got to say. God let him preach the gospel. <laughs> In John chapter number three. John said, I need to decrease so they might see Christ and his salvation. <laughs> Verse number 36, he said, that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Must the Bible say that we confess with the mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead? Thou shalt be saved. It's not a do, uh, do this and do that, fill out this and, and, and accomplish that and, and, and be good. Get, see, the world tells you in order to get to God, you have to get everything together then come to church. Can I say this morning, God is perfectly capable of coming right into the middle of your mess and straighten everything up for you. You don't have to get it all together because if you got it all together, you realize, I really don't need him. But when you come to him with things you cannot fix and you cannot solve and you know you, you're not able to do it and you leave it in his hands, you'll be amazed at what God could do with what you could not do. But he looked at him, them and he said, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Preacher, you mean cussing don't send me to hell? Drinking don't send me to hell? Smoking don't send me to hell? Drugs don't send me to hell? No, it is rejecting the free gift of salvation. It is when God comes to you and he begins to prick your heart and he begins to reveal to you your need of salvation just like he did with my daughter a couple of Wednesday nights ago at about midnight. She, did, she came into our room and it wasn't like, a, I, I'm not sure that I'm saying, she said, I, I need to get saved. We told her that God doesn't speak to us in questions. He speaks to us in statements. He, he's not gonna say, well, do you think you're saved? He's going to come to you and say, you are saved or you're not. Well, I'm so grateful in my own life and in my daughter's life when God began to deal with her heart, she didn't push him away. And maybe here this morning, God's dealing with your heart. And you're thinking, boy, if I can just get out of here, if I, if I can just get away from that. I mean, God, we've been singing about God saving old sinners We've been singing about he's the dearest friend. We've been singing about I know my name is there and you can't agree with none of it and none of it resonates with you because you're not sure. But God has been dealing with your heart this morning. He's saying, hey, listen, I want to and I'm willing to and he's gonna say, all you have to do is believe me. All you have to, all you have to come to is, is not a ability or strength. It's just simply by faith. Lord, I believe and I know that I'm a sinner and I believe that you died for me. I wasn't there the day that you died. I wasn't there the day that you rose again, but I believe that you did, and I believe that you did it for me, and Lord, I'm willing to accept and trust that free gift of salvation coming to my heart and save me. I testified about it last Sunday. My daughter said, I didn't think it was supposed to be that easy. I didn't think it was supposed to be that simple. And I said, the gospel that I preach is a simple one. And it's the real one. It's a biblical one. And Satan's just saying, hey, listen, hurry up and get out of here. Hurry up and get out of here. You don't have to deal with that. Can I say Jesus loved you enough that he died for you? And he loved you enough that he convicted your heart this morning. So you can know that he's willing and wants to save you this morning. Because of his problem. Let me ask you, do you want people to see you? Or do you want them to see the promise of Jesus in your life?
Who's the last person you told about the promise of salvation, the gift of salvation? Who's the last person you, on, on purpose, you stopped and said, hey, listen, can I, can I take a few minutes and just tell you how you can be saved? How you can know that God loves you and that he died for you? John said he must increase, but I must decrease. Let me ask you this morning as we get ready to have a time of invitation, get ready to go into baptism. Are you going to let them increase in your life? Oh, yeah, preacher, I want that. Then you want to find some areas to decrease this morning. It's all right, Lord. It's enough about me. It's all about you this morning. Let's all stand this morning.